Hey, coaches, what's going on? Hopefully, if you guys are having a season right now, your season's going well. If not, uh, hopefully we're helping you guys out uh, and you're finding other ways to stay busy, uh, help your kids in the classroom, um, and find new ways and different ways uh, to stay up with football um, and and be prepared for when you guys do get your season. So uh, if you guys need anything from us, we're obviously in season, but you can get a hold of us and, and all the videos and podcasts and everything we're putting out all over at runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Guardian Caps. Do you have linemen? Are their helmets getting scuffed up during inside run period? If so, there's a way to protect those shells and reduce the repetitive blows your guys are taking during the week. Guardian Caps reduces 20 to 33% of the impact, really focusing on those big guys in the trenches, like we coach. Worn by Clemson, Texas, Oklahoma, Washington, Virginia, 150 other colleges, and over 1,500 high schools across the country, including mine at Broken Arrow and Coach Walls in Ankeny. They are currently running an early bird promo. It's an unbelievable uh, price for them right now. 40 caps for $2,000 uh, with 10 of them for free, plus 10 free. So you get 10 free ones as well. Check them out in our free show uh, in our show notes or go to guardiansports.com slash football. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program better. Right now, Team Builder is offering a 10-week off-season football training program with a two-a-day speed and agility program. This template even comes with videos from some of the top SEC strength coaches that will show you how to run your weight room. Visit their website and enter the code RTP to get the off-season football training template and start your 14-day completely free trial at teambuilder.com. Again, enter code RTP at teambuilder.com, which is team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our guys over at Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, as you guys know, uh, and it's been a game changer for us if you've seen us on Twitter or uh, have talked to us about this at all. We obviously especially love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes, as you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, pin and pull, uh, and formations so we can save time and be more productive. That's the biggest part. Saves time on defenses, saves time on, on inputting offensive uh, formations, and then easy to draw the play out. Just Play is a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is an unbelievable $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended uh, and won't last forever. You can get this deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Kenny Simpson. Coach Simpson is the head coach at Searcy High School in Searcy, Arkansas. Listen as we talk with Coach Simpson about the many intricacies of running a program and being a successful head coach and author. You can follow Coach Simpson on Twitter at FBCoachSimpson. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, well, I appreciate one. I appreciate you having me on. I, I think you guys' podcast is, is by far one of the top ones you can listen to, and y'all do a really good job of getting the message out. So I want to thank you guys for giving me the chance to come talk with you a little bit. Um, uh, 
most of my background is always kind of been the underdog, I guess. If you, you can probably, if you've seen me in real life, weigh a buck 60, you know, when in high school it was about a buck 40. And so really had to work and scrap and fight for about everything I got. I was the oldest of five kids and my dad was military. So that meant we moved, you know, about every season it felt like. So I went to three different high schools, uh, my sophomore, junior and senior year. And so uh, got to experience a lot, but uh, you can imagine how that is trying to play football. And I played every sport you could play, but uh, at different schools, so it really has shaped me a lot to give me a lot of, I guess, different, um, different vantage points. So very different. And, and I played every sport. I'm a huge multi-sport guy. Uh, I actually cut my teeth coaching at Madison Academy in Huntsville. Uh, and there I coached basketball and football, which is a rare occurrence. Uh, as you move up in the world, it's hard to do both those sports and is a lot of time. Uh, but I was blessed to kind of be a part of, I was a junior high coach, but they won the state championship in basketball that year, uh, but worked up through football and got to watch a lot of them turning around a football program and then obviously having a lot of success in basketball. And then we moved, I moved to Montgomery at 25. I thought I was smart and wanted to be a defensive coordinator and, and got that opportunity. <laughs> I moved to Montgomery, Alabama and, uh, and took a defensive coordinator job there at a school at Alabama Christian Academy uh, who was struggling. Got out of basketball and got heavy into track. And I love track and field, one of my, another one of my favorite sports. And uh, had two years there as a defensive coordinator and, and then kind of lucked into a head job. The, the head coach there left and took a college job. And, uh, and I guess they were either trying to save money or they just really believed more in me than they probably should have. They gave me a 4A job in the state of Alabama at 27 years old. And I didn't even – Really didn't even know what I didn't even know. Uh, but I was fortunate to have some great athletes. We had a couple really good years there in Montgomery and then made the move. My wife and I graduated from Harding University in Arkansas and kind of wanted to come back home, be close to her family. So we moved to Southside Batesville, uh, which is about uh, probably an hour, 30 minutes north of Little Rock. So for those people who aren't familiar with Arkansas, in uh, a place I'd never known, didn't know anyone up here, just took a chance and kind of walked into a, a very tough situation. We were owing two years, two plus years, in, uh, and, and for a reason. They had started football five years previously and uh, were in one of the toughest conferences in, in 4A. And, uh, you know, great kids, wanted to work hard, just really kind of a tough spot. And uh, I've been blessed. I've now been here for nine years. And uh, we finally have gotten to the point where we're consistently competing. Got a long way to go, uh, but we're getting closer to where we would like to be. And then in the process of all of that, I wrote a book, uh, which I think a lot of people have had a, had a chance to read, just trying to warn younger coaches of, hey, here's all the dumb stuff that I did, you know, and, and maybe <laughs> I hope you can avoid it, you know. And so that's kind of where we are now. We've had some success recently here at Southside. And, and now my own children are – I'm starting to get a chance to coach them, so that's a lot of fun. And, and Anyway, that's probably a longer version I should have given, but that's kind of the short how I got where I got. No, that's awesome. And, and honestly, so what's, what's the name of your book, Coach? Uh, it's Find a Way is our theme, and then the subtitle is you know, What I Wish I Had Known When I Became a Head Football Coach. It's, <laughs> 
you know, kind of written like, man, I wish I could go back and tell myself, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, so that's, that's kind of actually what I was going to ask you about. And I think I try to ask about, you know, anyone that comes on here and talks about taking a head job or even a coordinating spot at a young age. Um, I always, and I'm not young anymore, but still I'm 28 now. And so uh, it, to even think about, man, what would that even be like taking the head job or, or a coordinating spot. I mean, um, I'm just now getting comfortable coaching a position, you know, so, so what are, you know, what were some of those things that maybe snuck up on you? What are some things that, that you, you learned from that first experience jumping in and, and becoming a head coach at a relatively young age? Yeah. Well, man, there's so much stuff that you just don't think about. And like, just for instance, on a Friday night, you know, all the game management stuff. And I felt like I had a pretty good mind. I understood the game of football pretty well and understood X's and O's really on both sides of the ball. I had been blessed there, but dealing with all of the situations that happen in the game, making adjustments, you know, all of that stuff falls to you. That's the easy part. The hard part is all the off the field stuff, like raising money, dealing with parents, dealing with assistant coaches, you know, trying to make sure you're maximizing all of the talent around you, but you're also the one who's giving the voice, casting a vision. You know, and I think that's the stuff that no one tells you about. You come up as a coach, and I didn't know all these situations were happening behind closed doors until now I got the job. Oh, by the way, you're in charge of a $75,000 budget. Hope you know how to handle that, you know, and you're in charge of scheduling referees and concession stand workers and handling all the discipline. And if you mess up, you know, don't worry, we'll blast you all over social media, you know, so you get all of that stuff and be in charge of these coaches who wanted the job you got and handle that, you know, so you, all of these things that, man, it's, it's just a, a new world when you make that's a giant step. It, well, then, is that something, and so this is always kind of my second thought, is that something that as you get older that if you waited to be a head coach, could you learn any of that anyways? I mean, or is that something that no matter if you're 27 or if you're 57, your first head coaching job comes with all these things that you didn't think of or, or you're not prepared for? Or I don't even know how you would practice, you know, for any of that stuff. Now, now you're, I mean, you're never going to be ready. And so, like, you know, you're a younger coach, and there's probably a lot of younger coaches that may be listening. You're never ready. So, I mean, you, you just kind of have to go out there with faith and believe in who you are. But I do think what I did not do that I wish I had done was find a mentor, find somebody who's been an older coach. I was blessed to have two or three around me that I kind of got lucky with, but I would go out and hunt down a guy that you can go sit with and talk about all that stuff. Um, you know, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, I, I had no idea about and, and you can't know everything, but you can at least kind of have a rough idea of, okay, I need to get organized like this. Your generation is so much better than mine was of sharing. So there's so much information out there now. I think a guy can be more prepared just by doing the work on the internet and, and through networking that, that really wasn't even around 10, 15 years ago. Coach, you mentioned, you know, being able to manage a staff and, and working at Jenks High School for Alan Trimble for me was obviously a, a great deal being able to get mentored by a guy like him. And I just remember, you know, two, two things that he'd said early on, you know, one, you know, always be here, 
on time and you're, you're, you're always going to be working. And then two was you're always going to, you know, develop yourself as a coach. He was always going to make sure you went to clinics and made sure you're going to push yourself. You know, is there kind of a, a, a mantra or, you know, a, a handbook or a standard, whatever you set with, you know, kind of your guys that are, Hey, these are the expectations. I'm going to kind of let you do your thing, but these are the non-negotiables of the job. Absolutely. I mean, I think you better set one. We, we put together a, a coach's manual and uh, it, it has grown over the years, but uh, I, and I also, I do a lot of meetings one-on-one -on -one with guys to try to figure out where their goal is. You know, some of you guys that are young, you want to be a head coach. Well, let me, let me go ahead and show you some of the things that I've got to do. And if you really want to be it, I try to delegate some of that authority to those guys under my guidance so they can learn, you know, because I was an assistant coach. I would have been very grateful to have learned some of these things. And so I try to help with that. Then you've got some guys on your staff that they're comfortable being a position coach for 30 years, and that's fine. You know, and so, well, let's use them in the way they can be. I, but I really think the difference in an assistant coach and a head coach is recognizing the talent around you and being able to use coaches. That was the hardest part for me. You're hitting on it right now is using your assistant coaches because they're all different. They're all different and figuring out what their talents are, you know, as a head coach, that's where I think I've made the most growth over the last four or five years. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably one of the more underutilized ways. And I love the way you're saying that, you know, I mean, businesses and CEOs that, you know, you got great salesmen, you, Hey, you're, we're going to put you out there to sell, you know, your, your skills might be more you know, in the design of, of it, whatever, you know, and I think a lot of times, it's almost like a lot of head coaches take kind of the cookie cutter approach. It's like everybody should be like this. Well, it's not that way. Right. And I intentionally try to hire as much diversity as possible, you know, because I want guys that think different than I think, as long as they understand, Hey, ultimately I've got to make a choice and there's nothing personal, but when we get behind closed doors, I want them to give me their opinion from as many different backgrounds as possible. And the same thing, you know, we have position coaches, but I also look for different personality types. You know, I want that go get them coach, and I want that real calm coach. And I want the guy who's awesome in front of the crowd, and I want that guy who's great behind the scenes. I think, to me, as an, a head coach, the more diversity you can get, the better your staff is going to be. You know, and, and using those guys to their ability, you know, trying to make sure you're not plugging a guy where he didn't fit. So, Coach, you know, in, in talking about that hiring process and, and while you are looking for so many different things and, and the fit can be, you know, completely different depending on, like you said, what, what you may be looking for or, or, you know, you're open to having a guy that's really out there or a guy that's, you know, more, um, you know, calm in nature or, or whatever, you know. And so when you are going into, you know, you've got a position open, what are you looking for in that coach what kind of questions maybe even are you asking to find out those answers? Because I think that um, it's easy to, to, you know, to lie almost when sometimes as a, when you're, when you're getting hired and, and you're interviewing, it'd be easy to lie and tell the guy, you know, what he wants to hear. And, and so how do you kind of sift through that? What are you looking for? Um, what are some of those ways that you, you deal with that? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, for us, I've kind of, my quality list is simply, I want to find the best quality character guy I, I, I can find. I don't care how much experience he's got or not. So I'm looking for a guy who's super high energy, 
a guy who's going to bring it every day, who's passionate. And to me, high energy just means passionate. It doesn't mean shouting and screaming or whatever. It just means a guy who's passionate, who loves what he's doing, who understands that we have the best job on the planet, I think, and I want him to share that vision with me. You know, so that's the first thing I'm looking for. Some of the questions I think you can do to kind of sift through, you know, what you get a lot of times, the BS sometimes you get, a lot of times I'll try to ask them a, a lot of questions that deal with when they disagreed with their former head coach. And you find out a lot about guys in those situations. Are they going to throw that guy under the bus? You know, are they going to be honest? Say, hey, I did disagree, but he was the coach. And so we supported him. How do they handle that? Because I want an open door policy where my guys can speak their mind, but they can't get their feelings hurt when we disagree, you know, which is going to happen. I love that. I think that's awesome. Um, Coach, you also talk, you know, about I think another thing that you probably don't think about when you get into being a, a head coach is is kind of what you, your, quote, lower levels are and how those look like. I mean, it, it, it's so different from state to state. How do you kind of set up your lower levels? And again, you know, talking about, you know, guys you want to hire for those positions, it's probably a little bit different skill set than maybe, you know, your defensive coordinator or your strength coach or something like that. How do you yeah. kind of, you know, fi find those lower level guys and, and, you know, how is their role a little bit different than a varsity dude? Well, one, I, I think that that's probably the most neglected area that I handle, other than assistant coach development, which I was not very good at. I was also not very good at recognizing the importance of the lower levels that are going to feed me. You know, I, I wanted to win, and I was a very goal-driven guy. I was going to win and get out of there. I mean, that's kind of what I had seen in coaching, and I just assumed that's the way you did it. And I started realizing that I had to build from the bottom up Okay, so we were going to make sure that we're going to take care of that youth football. I'm in a very unique situation where I actually took over our youth program and installed guys that I trusted over those teams. Some of those actually are coaches that are on my staff that would spend a couple days after our practice and work with our youth team because we needed to get that right. I felt that was super important. But what we're looking for in youth kind of trickling up, I mean, you look at kind of the pyramid, I don't really care a lot about winning except for on Friday nights because that's they fire me, you know, if we don't win on Friday, eventually they're going to get rid of me. So we got to win then. But our goal at every other level is to get as many kids on the field as possible and to develop as many kids as possible. I've been around long enough. I'm sure you guys have too. That third grade stud may move, could get hurt. You never know. That, that eighth grade kid may hit puberty in 10th grade. So we want to keep them out there, make sure they have a good time. So when I'm hiring younger coaches, I tell them, hey, look, we want to win. That, that is fun. I mean, obviously you win, they're going to stick out here. But I, it's more important for me you teach them our belief system. You're a guy of high character. You're a guy that makes the kids want to come be part of our program. You're not running kids off and you're playing as many kids as possible, uh, obviously, you don't just, you know, it's not equal. You know, not everybody gets a trophy as they work up to that ninth grade, 10th grade as they get older. But in the younger levels, we want them all to play. So I want as many kids to make it through to me as possible. So when I'm looking at hiring guys, I'm looking at guys that I'd call kid magnets. Who's going to bring the kids out and really teach them the basics and make them excited about our program? Man, I, I think you hit it right on the, the nail right on the head coach with, at least with me, with offensive line, and I'm sure it's with every position, but 
here at the at the high school level, the majority of my kids that start at the high school are kids that were B team, C team in eighth and ninth grade, especially linemen. I mean, if you're a great athlete, normally you're a great athlete through through your life. But as far as linemen go, it's like there's tons of these kids that are not real strong and they're probably five, you know, eight all through and they're the short or middle-sized guy and then they hit a growth spurt and they get really, really strong finally. Even though they're working out the same, they get so much stronger. And, okay, now I'm 11th grader and I'm, I'm you know, a big kid that is now caught up with this athleticism and now he's got he's a good offensive lineman but he never had been before well if he had just kind of been ran off or you know not not looked after in, in eighth and ninth grade it would have been easy for that kid not to have even been up with us at the high school level yeah, and the opposite can be true you know the opposite can be true where you get some kid who was a stud and you just treated him like a superstar in the eighth and ninth grade well he's going to peter out as he gets older everyone's going to catch him so if you treat them all equal they all get relatively equal playing time. You're also helping those stars not get too big for their britches because one of the hardest things for me is getting that 10th or 11th grader that now he's having to learn to work for the first time of his whole career. You know, and it's hard for those kids. So you've got to be real careful on both ends. Don't run off, but you also don't want to lift up these kids in junior high and make them think they're superstars. So, Coach, you come to a place in Arkansas, and like you said, you're over. for, you know, they were over the the two previous seasons. Um, and, and you come in there and at a place where, you know, Arkansas high school football is probably not talked about a ton nationally, but at least around here, to me, you know, we play Arkansas teams all the time, and they're every bit as good as the top Oklahoma teams, which, in my opinion, is probably every bit as good as the top Texas teams. We probably don't have as many um, top-tier teams, but our tops in Arkansas and Oklahoma and Texas are all relatively the same um, at, at each level throughout the divisions, and so – um, you're going into a place that in Arkansas loves football. Um, and so I'm sure that there's a lot of kids that there's 4A programs that they grow up and they want to go to these 4A programs. And, and you come into a program that's hadn't won a game in two years. What are you thinking as a head coach when you start there? What, what's your very first building block? What are you going to? What are you looking to change? How did you go about doing that? I mean, I think the first thing you got to do, and, and I'd even speak to kind of to your, your uh, level of Arkansas play. I coached in Alabama as well, so I've seen pretty good – and I played in Florida and in Arizona. And Arkansas and Oklahoma have some good football, for those who aren't, aren't familiar with it. Obviously, Texas does too. But coming in, you got to identify why they're not winning. And so that was the first thing I did was I watched all the film I could watch of the last couple of years – I met with the kids one-on-one. -on -one. We got as many of them excited as possible. We got out there for the first practice. And at that point, we were running uh, – we were spread team then. I've kind of made my own little offense. But back then, we were spread. We ran inside zone for 45 minutes, and the kids kept going, when's the next play? And I said, once you get this one right, we'll move on. <laughs> and so we sat out there, and I'm not kidding. We probably ran it 900 times, it felt like. And just to drive home the point of – there's not a magic pill. The, the magic is working really hard, getting really good at what you do. And we're not going to progress until you have this right. You know, and so I think that to me was the number one thing is you got to convince kids there's not a magic pill and you got to convince them how they can win with reality there. You know, we're lining up in 4A football in Arkansas. My 180-pound guard is blocking a 340-pound even to tackle. Well, you got to give him the – how to win 
what do we expect you to do to win? What does a win look like when you weigh 180 and he weighs 340? Well, can you just make him go this direction? You know, I'm not asking you to drive him. Can you just not let him get inside you? And so teaching kids where they are and giving them realistic expectations, and, and but that's going to work for you to winning. I think, it, it to me, our kids started respecting that I knew what I was talking about and uh, that I wasn't going to come lie to them. I was going to give them the reality of the situation and then lay out the plan of how we can still be successful. Coach, too, I think, again, you know, any any head coach that comes into a program, you, you kind of probably set the tone in the offseason, and, and obviously that's going to start in the weight room. You know, can you talk a little bit about kind of your, your philosophy in the weight room? And I know, you know, also being a, a track guy, you know, how do you kind of balance, you know, speed, power, size, all of those different attributes with, uh, with your guys as athletes? Well, for me, there's a lot of different ways you can do the weight room. And I think you guys actually – I've, I've poached probably one of the best strength coaches in the, in the country, and Derek Smith. I went over and snagged him and brought him in. So now we're doing all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> but, uh, but our philosophy didn't change. You know, Derek just made it look way more professional and is doing a phenomenal job. But our philosophy's always been the same. I think you went in the weight room just like you went on the football field. Do the basic things really, really well, okay? And let's really harp on things like mental toughness with our kids. Let's find ways we can push them mentally in the weight room or on the track or wherever it is so that we can grow that part of it. So to me, the weight room is about obviously physical strength and, uh, and, and, to, and, and Derek does a phenomenal job with that stuff. But it's also equally as important to teach the mental strength. And so what are some things that you can do in that? You know, we do a lot of body weight stuff now with Derek where they're working on, you know, who can do the longest frozen push-up or who can do the whatever it is. It's always competing, always. And it's not competing against other people as much as competing against yourself. You know, what are you doing to better yourself in here? And so that's the main thing we've focused on early on when I took over a weight program. Now we're progressing to the point in our weight room where we're talking about doing things off of the field that are going to help what you do in the weight room and convincing our kids to take the next step of you just busted your tail for an hour. Now let me see your diet plan for the last month and the kids will pull it out and they get excited about it because you've created the buy-in from them. So that's kind of the next progression that we're starting to do. And Derek's doing such a good job of creating that excitement. And so that's kind of where we've moved in the weight room. So we're looking basic functional strength we're looking mental toughness and then now what am i doing to make that work pay off for me in my diet that includes not only what i do eat but that also side benefit gets your kids away from putting bad things in their body you know it is a good way to teach let's stay away from juuling or drinking or whatever <laughs> because that's going to deter what we're trying to accomplish <laughs> that's exactly right. It's a good point. Uh, so, so coach, again, you come in and, and you're over. What is the, what's your expectation for the first few seasons? What's your goal of, or what's your, you know, what is, we win this many games or we do this certain thing or we do this and, and I feel like we're on the right path. What, what is that for zero wins? Is it one win? Is it, we can't think about wins? What, what do you go through with that situation? Well, we did something different, and we've kept doing that. We don't ever talk about wins, like winning on a scoreboard. We just don't ever talk about it. We do talk a lot about 
being the best version of ourselves that day. And we do give measurable goals, you know, for whatever we're trying to accomplish. But we try to tell the kids, hey, control what you can control. And usually the scoreboard will end up taking care of itself. So it's kind of a different mindset. You hear Nick Saban a lot of times, he'll talk about the process. And obviously, I'm an Alabama guy, so I'm going I'm to listen to what he says. But we talk a lot. <laughs> that you know uh and so there's times i remember the first game we won uh you know they're crying we're dumping gatorade and all that stuff and of course i let them enjoy it because they hadn't won a game ever in their high school career so let's enjoy it and then we came in for film and they thought it was going to be a party and i'm ripping them a new one (laughs) we didn't play like we should play and then there's times we've lost a game where they've come in expecting to get hammered and i've just shown them hey guys about four plays right here we win this game you know, it's not always about the scoreboard. It's about did we play to the best of our ability. You know, a couple of years ago, we played uh, the team that went in the state championship. In the second round, we got beat. I thought our kids played about as good as they could possibly play. I was so proud of them. And then there's time we mercy rule a team, and I'm going to rip them. that We didn't play where we should. And so that's what I'm talking about with the process is let's play to the best of our ability. And then I, as a coach, I've got to be okay with – if that doesn't mean a win on the scoreboard. Coach, I bet you got some pretty cool stories about uh, having old Derek Smith on staff already. I bet, bet he's already got you out fishing, got you out hunting, got, got things that he's forgotten or doing. I know he's kind of a, a celebrity on social media for some of the, uh, the funny things that he does. Yeah, he, uh, well, he's recently got into wearing, he calls them lifting pants, and I call them women's soccer yoga pants. So <laughs> then he put his hair up in a braid and I said, man, you're just going all out here. You know, but I'll tell you what I'll, I'll say this about Derek is he knows his stuff. And I love the fact that he's genuine. I think our kids bleed for Derek. They bleed for our other coaches because he's a genuine guy. And I think sometimes coaches, we, we try to emulate people we look up to, which is a good thing, but we lose ourselves. you know, and, and I really respect that Derek is who he is. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't have room to improve like we all do. We all can get better. Uh, but he's genuine to who he is. You know, I'm, a, I'm an older kind of goofy guy. That's who I'm going to be. I'm not, I'm not going to try to be somebody else. And so I really respect that from him and, and the other guys in our profession. I think that's, that's sorely missed our guys that are just who they are because we're trying to copy everybody else. Well, Coach, you know, we've talked about what you're looking for when you're hiring somebody and, and a few of your coaches, but uh, let's say you take over or, or something crazy happens, you're wiped out, you have no coaches on staff. What are you looking for um, as your first few coaches, other than coordinators probably? I mean, I would assume you're going to go grab an offense-defensive coordinator. What's your next co- – what, what's the next most important for you, Coach, um, that you're going to go after at that point? Yeah, I actually, I think in my book, I actually ranked coaches. So I'll try to remember it, but basically, I think the coordinator away from you is the next most important coach. You mentioned that. I think the offensive line coach is the next most important coach. If you can't coach it, that's the next most important coach you can get. Then I think the strength coach. You know, I think those are kind of my coordinator away, my O line guy, and my strength guy. Now, if a guy can do multiple spots, that's awesome. But those are the three we're going to fill. Then I'm probably going to bring in a coordinator to work underneath me to groom a young guy who's sharp, wants to learn something, and I can kind of help him, give him a title of a coordinator, help him kind of groom in that spot. Then as you're working down, nothing's not important. Everything's important. 
Right. Your skill positions are easier to find. Because there's a lot of guys that played DB or they played quarterback or they played whatever. So those are usually easier to fill. But a good O-line coach, a good strength guy, you know, those are super important to get filled with the right guy. I didn't think about that. Obviously, going coordinator away from whatever you feel the most comfortable with. Um, so do you think, you know, there are obviously there's some, some coaches that go into it and are special teams guys that end up becoming head coaches. Is it something that you think it's been a benefit to you of being a, uh, you know, on the defensive side? I believe you said defensive coordinator before taking that head spot because at least at the very least you, you feel really comfortable about your defense and, and understanding the defense going in and just needing to find that other side of the ball? Yeah, I would encourage younger coaches, especially, you know, I started out as a junior high coach, I was a head junior high coach, was a special teams coordinator at 24, which I think they were just trying to give it to anybody, and I raised my hand to take it. <laughs> but so now I've been a special teams coordinator. I've been a defensive coordinator. I've coached the defensive line, the linebackers, the DBs. I've coached the offensive line throughout the spring. One year I've coached. So I can now go out and hire the best person. And I don't have to say, man, I have to have a defensive coordinator. I have to have a this spot. I can interview multiple guys from different backgrounds and just pick the best one. And then I can go coach the other spot. So it frees me up to hire better people, I think. Okay, Coach, so, so getting into kind of the defensive side, um, are you guys, uh, you know, a hard, a hard line like a 3-4 or a 3-3 three, three stack, 4-2-5 team? Are you guys really multiple depending on what you guys have that year? What's kind of your philosophy on the defensive side? Well, just offense and defense, but defensively we're 3-4, but we teach in concepts. And so we want to be, be able to have built-in adjustments inside of what we do. So we're a 3-4, but depending on your alignment with our base rules, we may look differently. I'm a huge believer in split-field coverages. And so we're, we're a Palms 2 team most of the time, but pretty much we are splitting the field. And so it, to me, it gives us a lot of freedom you know, because the thing we're looking for defensively is what do you do best? We're going to try to stop that. Who's your best guy? We're going to try to take him out of the game and make you do something you're not comfortable with or beat us left-handed. Very basketball. I've kind of brought that with me from coaching basketball, but we're going to make you do something you don't want to do, or we're going to do the best we can to make you do something you don't want to do. And we do that within the framework of a 3-4. So, so with that, and, and bear with me, these might be dumb questions. I'm, I'm learning oh, all good. about coverages right now, uh, at least trying to, uh, just because there's been – we've had no time. I mean, I've never had time to learn coverages. Now I, I've got nothing but time, so I'm trying to. But So I would assume with the 3-4 and, and playing, you know, um, being able to play palms, obviously you're, I would think your outside linebackers are also going to be in some of those coverages depending on, obviously, the, uh, you know, formations and, and such so are those guys that do you want those outside linebackers coached by their own outside linebackers coach or are they coached with uh, the inside linebackers how do you get them because to me they're kind of like you know a tight end on offense they kind of got to know it all and obviously you'd love to have a tight ends coach but you can only have so many people and so how do you how do you go about that coaching those outside linebackers um, to know you know everything it's seen run and pass part of it 
Yeah, man, I, I'm glad you asked me this. We've started doing a, our practice looks a lot different than other people's. Like we do individual, like everybody does, where they go to their position groups. We'll use the outside linebackers because you brought it up as a good example. So they go with their position coach for about the first 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes to get individual work. Then the next five, 10 minutes, we call it pod work. So the outside linebackers are going to go with a position they work with often. So like they may go with the DBs and the DB coach will work with them on coverage. Or we're playing a team heavy tight end. We got to work some nine technique. They're going to go down with a defensive line coach. He's going to work with them on playing a nine technique, or we're playing with inside baggers and outside baggers working on screen game or run fit or whatever it is. So we have that little pod period where they get to work with the coach who knows the skill. We do the same thing on offense. You know, we'll take our, our quick tackles and send them with our receivers so they can work on blocking in space. Because my thought process is like yours, I'm limited on coaches and they have certain skills so let's put our player with a coach who can teach the skill. So they have a position coach, but they're also going to go learn these skills from the expert. You know, our outside linebacker coach, he may go work with our DBs while, our, our, while his guys are working with nine techniques and he's working with safeties that have to roll down. So he's working that skill. So it's, it takes a little more organization, but I think it lets your kids work with coaches who know the skill better instead of forcing some 23 24, 25-year-old kid who's going to be coaching outside linebackers to learn a nine technique, coverage, and run. That's a lot. So let's, let's just pod that up and help him out. I love that. I think that makes a ton of sense. And then like, like you said, I mean, you're, you're getting to know every single kid, you know, in the program. You get to coach all those different dudes. Is that something you guys do still, you know, like with your special teams too, where you guys pod that up and kind of train at least maybe early in fall camp? teaching guys skills and then also maybe kind of evaluating this guy can run, this guy can get off blocks, this guy can tackle in space. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to me, a lot of defensive skills and special team skills, they're going to work hand in hand. And so we're trying to identify who can be a gunner, who can be a long snapper, who can be on our punt team. And so that gives you the opportunity, like you said, to evaluate kids. And here's the other kind of side benefit is our third outside linebacker, you know, we may have a safety go down and our safety coach knows, hey, I want that kid. That kid's going to be our safety, you know, because I think he's the next best athlete because he's seen this kid and he's evaluated him. So now I'm not stuck with who might be our 17th best player on the field. We'll bring our next best player and we're able to kind of function that way. I wish I would have done this back in 2015 because I would have loved to see Coach Harper teaching stock blocking and you know, some stick routes and things like that. I think it would have been really good for him. <laughs> yeah, our, our I wouldn't have been the expert well. there. Yeah, they, they go down there and they think they're going to get to catch the ball. Like, no, we're doing screens. Go block the outside back, you know. But they, they love the idea. <laughs> well, Coach, coach at, a, at a 4A school, um, you know, limited at, at times, I'm sure, on kids, what is your, as a staff, what do you guys look for when, when you get into the two-platoon talk? I mean, obviously, at, at every level, you'd, I'm sure you'd love to be true to platoon, um, but also you want to have your best athletes out on the field. But if they're out on the field the whole time, there's a point of diminishing return. And so everyone's got their own thoughts on, on what they're looking for, and I'm sure it changes each year. But just kind of in general, what is your thought process behind kids playing both ways? Well, 
Remember, in Arizona now, I played my senior year, and I played both ways, some veer quarterback at times and a roll-down safety. So I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for kids that want to come off the field. But my philosophy has been at the younger levels, we're going to do our best possible ever to get 22 kids playing. So junior high, seventh grade, whatever down there, we want to play as many kids as possible. Senior high, obviously, you've got to weigh it. Like you said, in some years, it's different. Uh, because of our system being together, so we meet as a staff. I'm an old DC, so I, I, a lot of times we'll give him the better athletes, uh, but we will <laughs> sit there and go, okay, we feel offensive linemen, we need to give, our, give that priority. And so what we've done defensively is we've adapted. So we've said, okay, so our defensive linemen are basically going to be overgrown linebackers. These are kids now that we can identify in the 10th grade or below and say, hey, we need you to put on some weight and put your hand in the ground. And so that way I can get better athletes on the field defensively. So we feel like we can go offensive line, defensive line, hopefully one way. You know, some of our kids, the really good ones, may have to go play some D-line in certain positions. Skill-wise, I try to defer to my defense and give him the best he can have. And then basically, like this year coming up, or maybe last year, we didn't have a lot of skill kids. And so our two safeties both played our X receiver, and they would just split series. And our two corners might play our A receiver. And our two inside linebackers or outside linebackers might both rotate at running back. But we try to go quarterback and offensive line one way if possible. And then defensively, as many as we can get one way as possible. We do feel you do need to have a quarterback on the defense, whether that's an inside linebacker or a safety that really focuses mainly on defense since you have a guy on the field who's making the calls. So that is one thing we won't give up. But other than that, it's kind of a year-to-year -year basis. I think that's such a smart way to do it as, as far as with, you know, having one position being manned by two kids. You know, both your corners are playing one receiver, so they are both playing both, you know, both ways, but they still are getting a break. They're not one of them or both of them playing the entire game. Uh, and, you know, you can kind of trust them to get through there and, and again, like you said, not a whole lot of sympathy for him playing both ways, and I'm sure they love it. I always wanted to play both oh, ways. Yeah. I always wished I could have because he had to play more football. But uh, it keeps them a little bit fresher, and, and you're sharing them at one single spot on offense. And I think you've got to build that. You know, the guys that might be listening that may have their own philosophy, you know, if you're going up-tempo, no huddle all the way, I mean, you better really try to two-platoon. <laughs> and for us, too, we're, a, we're an RPO team, and one of our RPOs, I'll look at the receiver and tell him to rest. Because it ain't going to him, so why why fire off and run a route? You're not going to get the ball. From. Just chill out. You know, I'm asking this kid to play 160 snaps. It's 900 degrees outside. Well, you know, we better be smart with this kid. Coach, man, I'm been meaning to ask you. You know, you've written a book. You know, and and I I think I saw you. You were tweeting is either today or yesterday. Maybe you got the startings and makings of another one. You know, how how do you find time? I mean, is that just kind of in your nature, man? I'm you know, you're, you're, you got a family, you got a bunch of kids, you're a head coach, and you're finding time. I mean, and I, I continually sit here and I'm like, man, you know, I should maybe start writing a few things down and I probably have the time, but I never really find the motivation. So I'm always kind of interested to ask the guys who are on that have written a book or, or wanting to write a book, you know, how did you kind of start one? And then two, you know, how, how do you kind of find the time to do that? 
Well, I'm kind of a, a different kind of guy. I live in Arkansas and I don't hunt. I don't really like to fish. You know, I, I'm not a big golfer, you know, so those are kind of those things that would take time for me. Um, and then, of course, right now we're in a very unique situation where I'm at home a lot. And so, you know, I, I want to spend time with my family. I love my kids and my wife. But other than that, I love football almost to the point where I've got to be careful because it can become an obsession. Uh, so to me, uh, that's been I, that's something I enjoy doing, you know, and, and so uh, and also I was surprised the first one I wrote, I really didn't think anyone was going to buy it. I thought, well, it'd be a cool book for me to give, you know, whoever. And it, it kind of blew up on me. And so, uh, you know, it gave me a platform to talk about things that were important to me. Uh, like getting to come on and talk with you guys. I mean, it get, when you do things like that, it, it enables you to have a platform to talk about what's important to you. And so I thought, well, you know, if I've got this platform, I need to try to, you know, share some of the things that maybe can help these younger coaches coming through and, and, and help them out. And so it's been something I really have enjoyed as I've gotten older, you know, life changes. And so now I really enjoy working with younger coaches. I think I'm so excited about where they're going to take our game. I just want to be a small part to help them. I love that answer. I love that last part, you know, the, the development of, of young coaches. And, and again, I mean, you, you talked about, you know, maybe not having a mentor. I mean, for me, it was the opposite. I mean, I was lucky that I had a mentor and it, and it was always kind of ingrained in me and told, told to me that, you know, when you have that chance and you have those coaches that are hungry and they, they want to learn, it feels so good to, to be able to give back. Cause I mean, to me, that's like you said, it, the future of the game. I mean, I, I want, when I get out of the game, I still want to be able to sit there and watch the game and watch football and make sure that it gets, you know, paid forward for whoever. And I think that's been the coolest thing about Run the Power. It's the coolest thing about your books. It's, it's so awesome to hear coaches that it becomes a part of who you are. And I think it's probably just kind of who we are as coaches and as educators. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you think about it, I've got a son. Y'all probably, if you don't, you may have one soon. I want this to be around long before, long after I'm gone, you know, and, and you hit it, you guys podcast, man, you're inspiring thousands of coaches. I mean, they think about the impact you're leaving and what you're giving back. And that to me is, it's been something that's been powerful. I feel humbled because who am I to do it, but I want to help. And so if I can help, that's what, that's what kind of inspires me to, Hey, let's write a little bit more. Or let's do something that may help this struggling coach. Cause I know that was me you know, not very long ago that was struggling and needed some help. Coach, with the first book, did you, did you put out an audio book with it? Um, and, and if not, are you thinking about doing that for the next one? I always, that's kind of my new, my new thing is, is with these books is a lot of coaches obviously write a book or they do a YouTube, you know, bunch of videos or like us, they do a podcast, but I think it'd be so easy to, after you write the book, read it out for people, put it on, on audio and, and have that option as well. Well, now that you mentioned that, I might, uh, I might look into it. <laughs> I, uh, you should. Okay, well, I, I may, when we get done here, I may, I may visit with you all a little bit about doing that. I think that, you know, I, I may get somebody who's got a much more pleasing voice to read it, but either way, we'll maybe get it out that way. I know the, the coolest ones, like, I mean, because I've, I've heard a couple, and I, Harper does a lot more than me, but, you know, like, the, the Phil Jackson 11 rings, he has someone else read it. I think if Phil Jackson was reading it, it'd be phenomenal. And oh, then yeah. – and then you listen to, like, I've listened to the Jocko Willink books. Well, then Jocko and uh, Leif Babin both do it, and that one's unbelievable because you're actually hearing, you know, 
the actual guys who wrote the book, the guys who had the stories. I mean, to me, it just seems more genuine when that person reads it. I don't know what Har- if Harper has an opinion on it. I'm sure he does, but that was super powerful for me. No, I, I completely agree. And, and there's been some of them, Coach, that even, you know, they read through it and then kind of at the end of the chapter, they've got a little bit more, you know, whatever they're thinking and, and they, you know, put another extra five minutes on the end of it and talk through it. And, and maybe they don't read it word for word. They kind of just go over it and talk through it. And I always think, you know, I think it would be easy for you to do. And, and I think, um, you know, I think you should, if you do it, I think that you, I always like when the, the person that actually wrote the book um, um, is the person that, that reads it. And I think you got a great voice coach. So I say, go for it, man. <laughs> well, I may, I may get on that then. That's what I got quarantine time. Now I can either pick up sticks in my yard or I can read the book. I <laughs> That's exactly right. Well, well, coach, we are in a quarantine, you know, obviously right now, and, and there's so much stuff out there on Twitter and, and on websites and everywhere that, um, you could almost get I almost am scared to watch too many things uh, you know I, I've kind of boiled it down to wanting to learn um, you know uh, want to learn some defensive things but more learning uh, you know how to be a better teacher and how kids learn better during this time because I have a little off time what are some of the things that you're looking at during this quarantine time to to get better as a, as a team or as a coach, as a head coach, what are you looking at with all that there is out there um, to try to grow with? I think you meant you hit the nail on the head. You know, there's so much good stuff out there, but too much of a good thing is too much, you know, and so <laughs> right. careful, you know, you gotta be very, very careful that you don't just try to rip off someone else. We've mentioned it a little bit earlier. You gotta be true to who you are and what you want to be, you know, but always looking to improve man if i i talk I, we were wanting to put the power read in this year and so i'm putting stuff on twitter having guys draw it up for me and of course i can't do all those plays but man it's it's created great discussion on things i can do x and o wise but the more i've been around the more i have learned that the x and o's are good and obviously you need to be solid at them you owe your team to be great at that that being said if X's and O's is the number one thing you're doing, you're failing miserably as a head coach. Your job is to grow young men, uh, the next generation of men, uh, to be the best kind of character kids they can be. And so we're always looking for different things we can do and stealing from people that do awesome things off the field. And right now, that's, that's the worst part of this for me. I, missing spring football sucks. I hate it. I hate not being around my kids who I know have a tough home life. So how am I helping them? You know, what are we doing there? So that's something as a staff we are constantly evaluating is what are ways we can go help this kid and we can go help that kid and we can go. And to me, there's not a program. You can't buy it. It's not in a box, but it's all about having those individual relationships. You guys mentioned earlier, you're already texting your kids, you're with your kids. And and I think that is where the teams that are going to succeed are going to come from. Because I really worry during this time period, kids are able to be home and be lazy or get into trouble. How many are going to come back? Even if we get to have the season, which I really think we will, how many are going to come back? And how many are going to say, you know what, I enjoyed being away from that. You know, the guys that had good relationship with their kids, those kids want to come back. And the ones that were just there to win games, you know, they're going to lose some kids. Yeah, I totally agree on on all points there. I mean, it, like you said, I mean, it's 
you can go down so many dang rabbit holes, but at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be the people you have. And, and, you know, I, I, I've found ways to, for me, it's like, you know, it, to me, it's created a, a unique situation where all of these college coaches are at home. So like being able to amplify and help our kids get recruited. I know this has been a, a big time period for kids to, you know, to, to, to be able to get film out and to, and to kind of show how, how hard they work when they're not, you know, under the, the restraints of the program, you know, showing how kind of, you know, individually motivated they are. And, and I've just been kind of astounded, you know, that the, literally the number of offers and the, the amount of attention and the, and then obviously the interactions you've been able to have with college coaches for your players. And I think that's gone a long way too. I mean, just kind of reflecting for myself, like our guys really enjoy that. Like, man, coach is going to help me get recruited. Coaches is, is talking to other coaches for me and, and he's kind of got my back. And I think, I've never really had the opportunity to maybe do it, you know, as in depth as we've had now because of the access you now have to those coaches. Yeah, I think that's an awesome deal. I mean, to me, it's, you mentioned it's all about your relationship with your kids. And I'd say one other thing about kind of going back to your first question about this time period is if you really want to challenge yourself, draw something up and put it on YouTube or put it on Twitter or put it wherever because. I, you know, that to me has made me grow the most in X's and O's because I know if I put something out there that sucks, you know, that you know, it's not going to go well. <laughs> I, I would challenge you, you know, if you're wanting to do stuff, draw something up and put it out there, man. I mean, that's the, that's going to force you to think about why you're doing what you're doing and look at all the situations of what might happen, you know, and, and to me, that's how you grow as a coach the most is having to prepare. And so I, I, that's what I've been trying to do. I try to do YouTube every day. And really, it's to help me. It's to help me get better thinking through things and maybe help some younger guys along the way. You mean there's some critics out there, Coach? <laughs> I, I, if you put it on social media, I mean, it's fair game. That's kind of my thought is if I stick something out there that's stupid, I ask for it. You know, but, yeah, there's a lot of critics out there. <laughs> That's my favorite one is, you know, the, you get the critics. It's like, well, hey, put up, we'll put up your film then. I want to see how you guys do it. And then you never get the response. It's, that's the yeah. best one. So you're like, okay, all right. It must be okay then. My favorite is when, like, we're wing T, you're running buck sweep. Like, Why don't you run all vertical? Like, well, okay. <laughs> you know, we're talking about buck sweep, but that would work too, you know. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, Coach, rolling up now kind of on an hour. Um, but, but the last thing before we let you go that I always like to ask guys is, is when you're watching another team and you're watching their offensive line, what's some things they would be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? This might be kind of side note-ish, but, man, a team that can cut really good, like not just dive and cut, but you can tell they've been coached, I think that's a super underrated part of, like, backside blocks. You know, how are these kids handling it? You know, and they've been coached up really well. Pat, in the obvious ones, pad level, you know, what kind of pad level are they playing with? How are they communicating before the snap? You know, that's the kind of stuff we look for. And if they're good at those three things, we know it's going to be a long, long night trying to handle those things. Or splits, you know, are they meticulous on their splits? You know, are they, are they uh, doing things that you can see? But your 15-year-old linebacker is never going to notice, like the subtleties of we went from a two-foot split to a three-foot split because we're trying to run power or lead or whatever over here. You know, when you see that kind of stuff on film, you know it's going to be a long night. Coach, man, it's been an absolute blast. It's flown by. Um, I think I saw you chalk-worn it tonight. 
oh yeah, I got it. I'm leaving this. And I told my wife, I try not to do night things, but if I do, I do them all at once. And so that way I can spend time with them. They put me against the dude that wrote the book, PJ Gibbs. He's so, I guess he wrote a book and I wrote a book and that means we're smart, I guess. So we're going to go at it a little bit tonight and have fun. Well, good luck tonight with Chalk Wars. Again, we don't want to keep you, man. We let you get your oh, notes good. together, but it's been a blast. And, and I know, you know, you've always, you know, been super open and, and we look forward to continuing to build the relationship and ask you stuff. And, you know, obviously Derek Smith's one of the guys we're, we're, you know, big fans of as well. So him being with you, you know, we're just excited for you guys and, and we look forward to, uh, to talking soon. Yeah. And guys, I really do appreciate what you do. You guys have one of the best podcasts out there and I just appreciate your time. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.